Welcome back, everybody. Today, I have all the things Abby. We're going to talk. We've been friends for a long time. Listen in. Thanks for being here, Abby. Hello. She waved if you're listening. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I did. On with the awkwardness in what, 10 seconds? 10 seconds in? Perfect. That's what I want. That's why I invited you. I know. Why did you invite me? I don't know. I think you got a cool story. Mm. What do you know about my story? Not enough. That's why I want to find (laughs) out about it. All right. I want to know what you know about it, though. Like where? Because I could like, do you want the story of when I was an infant? (laughs) I don't need to go that far back. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that you had some like health issues and you've worked around that with like exercise and food and changing diet stuff and going through a whole bunch of that stuff. Yes. Um, I'm going to tell you part of my story that you probably don't know. And that is, I feel like nobody knows this part of me. Um, When I was in high school, I had an eating disorder and I went down to 85 pounds. So for reference, I'm 150 pounds now. So like half of me. Um, and that lasted, I don't know, until I was 19, I think. And then after that, I didn't eat really good for a long time. But I didn't have an eating disorder. And I figured out how to get over that. And then it wasn't until... I was trying to quit smoking before I had my first child. And when I was trying to quit smoking, instead of like getting a cigarette at home, I like went for a run. So then I would run. My neighbors used to make fun of me because I would literally run (laughs) like, like here's where I would stop. I would literally go like 10 feet from where I had stopped the day before. And everybody could sit like they could see how hard I was struggling. I have never been an athlete, always overweight, slightly overweight, however you want to put it, um, other than when I had my eating disorder. So like, um, it's not, I had zero athleticism in me at all. So like when running, it was awful. So then I like got to this point where I was actually training for a marathon. So I had ran like 10 miles a day or something. And I like, so I was building up and I instantly, like my body just basically kind of started failing on me. Um, I like started having digestive issues. I started feeling really fatigued. Like I couldn't get up anymore. I was living in a house that was, um, and this is post my first child. So I was living in a house. We were all living in a house that had really bad mold and we knew it was a swampy house. I'm trying to think of like what really spurred Cause that's, I started eating like paleo then because that my daughter was super fussy and that was the only thing that I could nurse her and she wouldn't cry forever. Cause she cried like the first year of her life. So after that, so paleo obviously changed my, I mean, right. Like you eliminate any processed foods from your diet and it's just going to change your life forever. So that was awesome. But it wasn't until I got out of the mold, um, that I really started experiencing a lot of changes. And then 
after I changed my diet, uh, we actually lived in a camper all summer and remediated the mold in the house. And then it wasn't until I started addressing my emotional health really that my health issues started to actually go away. So there we are. And then somewhere in there, I started doing yoga all the time. Yeah, I love, like I know that you're kind of in a better like I know that you're whenever I, I should say when I when you're posting on the regular basis and I see that you're doing yoga again I know you're kind of like in a good place at least that's what it, that's what I take away from that yeah like if you're taking the time for you to do the yoga whether you've got kids hanging off you or not you yeah know. so I like I do yoga all the time it's always been there it's just a matter of do I have the extra, so I used to like really curate all of my posts and like try to come up with something cool. And I just had to drop that because I like I can't give a shit enough. Um, who has the time to edit those videos? Like, I mean, I have three kids, so I, don't, I just don't have time to do that. But uh, yoga's always been there. I'm trying to think if there's ever been a moment it's not, and that's just not the case. There, like, uh, there have been times in my practice where maybe it hasn't been as long. When I first started doing yoga, I would do like an hour, hour and a half. And then um, I think after my third child is when I like, so there's this, <laughs> there was a meme floating around. It said, one child is one, two children is two, and three is 15. And it's totally true. So she's kind of kicked my ass. But now that she's three and a half, I have a lot more space to do things for myself. So I mean, I am posting more because of that, but I've always done yoga. Like it's always there, whether or not you see it. The handstands, that's one thing that I don't always make time for, which is stupid because it literally takes 35 seconds. <laughs> so I want to like touch on the eating disorder. So that's something mm -hmm. that I, I mean, okay. So I've kind of had an eating disorder for most of my life, but it was the other way around, right? So it wasn't, I wasn't eating enough. I was eating way too much, like for a long time. But my household was eat as much as you can, make sure you have enough food. And I mean, we grew up poor, so my mom always wanted to make sure we had enough food. So I grew that mentality that if I, you know, I need as much food as I can, I need to feel as full as I can. So then that way I know I'm good, right? So that doesn't go well as you get older. And like, I still struggle with that to this day, even with everything, weight loss, everything. I still struggle with, I think of a good quality restaurant. Are they going to give me enough food? Am I going to get enough, am I going to get enough food for what I'm paying for it? I guess too. Yeah. So a value. I mean, there's part of that, but I don't know. So like, I see people who've gone the other way and it's very intriguing to me. Cause like, I like, it's so weird to not, or to be underweight, because I've never, ever in my life, as far as I know, been underweight. Yeah. Uh, so all of that has come to light recently. Like the the why, I guess. So when, when, when there's an eating disorder, it's usually a control thing because you can control it. And then it feels really good to be able to control that thing. And that thing just so happens to be an eating disorder. Also, recently kind of grateful my mother's not going to be around for this because she passed away four years ago. But I was her golden child. So my mom was a narcissist and I did, totally didn't realize this until literally in the past year. And 
I was her golden child. So she actually would make sure that I had all my nonfat yogurts, my, it was awful what I ate, but like my diet sodas, like she would make sure all of that was stocked for me so that I wasn't taking in calories. She was literally feeding this eating disorder. When I was in eighth grade, she would buy me like slim fast because I wanted it. So she really like reinforced that I was going through that. And I remember my dad actually like standing up and I think that was like what broke the cam the the straw that broke the camel's back in their relationship is that he was actually standing up for me. And that is when they divorced too. Um, because my mom was literally supporting me having an eating disorder. It was so bad that um, CPS was called. They like had to do an investigation on our home. They weighed me every week at school to make sure I wasn't losing any more weight. It was really, really, really bad. Wow. Right. And it all stemmed from like, also when I was really young, I was called a boy. Um, I was always called fat. Like I was made fun of for you name it. Kids are mean, but like, so I was always made fun of. And so I saw this opportunity as like, okay, I'm going to lose weight and get the love that I want. When in reality, I feel like all adults know that that's not how you get the love you want. But like, I was getting that love from my mother at the time and it was getting me attention and it was making me feel like I was fitting in because I wasn't fat anymore. Like all of these things just created this awful cocktail of me having this super bad eating disorder. It's crazy. I mean, because like, because if you if you kind of take a, a second and break that down, like especially this is probably what in the what in the the late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> I'm trying to get an idea of when this was. So I graduated in two thousand five. So it was okay. early two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm thinking like, because like when I think back about when you know when my family, you know, when my mom and grandma was trying to bring diet food home or what they were. In the under the impression of, of diet food, my, my my grandma would bring home and make rice aroni because it was low in fat, so you could eat as much as you want, right? Yeah. Or the snack wells when they were zero zero grams of fat, but they're just little sugar bombs, and you know, well, you can eat as much of those as you want because there's no fat in it. Mm -hmm. So that fat phobia of like that late eighties, mid two thousand, you know, into the mid two thousands, even probably still to this day, the fat phobia is really there with fat in the food, but. You know, like the low, the no fat yogurt, the yeah. diet soda, you know, I mean, I imagine there was probably, if she, you know, if she, you know, you said she was a narcissistic personality. I imagine there was probably something in there too, that she thought she was doing what she's supposed to do. But I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know about that. I really don't. I mean, I, if she was here, I would totally ask her. I don't know what kind of response that I would get from her, but I'd like a. I don't know. I cringe when I hear like when you when you think about like so I starved my brain from fat for how long? Right. Like, it's so important for the body. It's so like carbs are so important for women and their hormones. Like fat is so important for your brain and like cellular health. Like I I don't I don't want to say like she intentionally gave me the fat free stuff, but I knew how many cal like even to this day I can tell you how many calories are in most things. Because I like, I think I was eating like 300 calories a day or something. It was, oh. it was insane. It was insane. I'm talking my, my eating disorder was extreme. I would eat lettuce with mustard because mustard basically has no calories in it. That, that was food for me. It's terrifying. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is why CPS was involved. 
and why they weighed me and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was like almost the back opposite. So like we would, well, you know, we always had more than enough food, I guess you would say. I mean, my we would always have, like, we would make pizzas and we would, you know, do all that stuff. But it was always on our side. Huge big bowl of cereal for breakfast. Make sure you eat it all. Get the milk. So, you know, don't go to school hungry. So it was kind of the opposite. I don't even know. I couldn't tell you how much food I used to eat, especially as I got into my teen years and 20s, 30s when I was, you know, doing whatever I wanted. But yeah, I mean, I can. Re- so I, I would do that before. And that's why I remember when I was in elementary school, my sister and I could eat like a whole package of Oreos right after school together. I mean, I, I like I really was a fat kid. Like, there, so there's not it's not that I, I didn't need to starve myself to get to get to a healthy point. But that's just what I did. When you said bowl of cereal, something crazy that used to happen when so after like I was starving myself for so long, I would eat in my sleep. Like I would wake up or I wouldn't wake up. I would stay asleep, walk downstairs, go get like boxes of cereal and eat boxes of cereal in my sleep. Because your body's like taking over. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. (laughs) It is. It is wild. Yeah. I'm very grateful for this body and what I have put it through and where it's at now. (laughs) It's nuts. So fat, so if we, we we get past the eating disorder, you kind of conquer that. How did you how were you able to conquer that? Was that with the CPS intervention? Was there other tools you had? No, I actually went from anorexia to bulimia, and that's normal, like a normal transition because you like everybody's pressuring you to eat, so then you just start eating to please everybody else, but you don't want to do it, so then you just like start throwing it up. Um and that honestly happened for a long time, I can't even remember exactly what made me stop. I just, it's like with the, like I wanted to quit smoking. I only smoked for two years and I wanted to quit because I just knew I shouldn't do it. Like I just knew this is just not good. I'm like, so when I was anorexic, my hair was falling out in clumps. Um, My body hair actually grew longer and it does that. So you're insulated more. So like I knew I was killing myself. Like I knew that was totally happening. Um, and that's what motivated me. I didn't get any professional intervention. I didn't, I just literally took one step at a time. I stopped reading labels. I started eating like what I thought was quote unquote healthy. Um, and it just was, I don't want to call it a journey, but like cliche just was a journey from there. Like eventually I think I just found my own value enough and I had good enough friends that I realized that I didn't need to do all this shit and I was worth more than what I looked like. And like, that has been an ongoing thing. I don't ever struggle with thoughts of like being anorexic, bulimic. None of that ever comes back. I just valued myself as a human being, really. I've just always had that drive. I think that's the most important piece of it right there, that being able to value yourself and know your self-worth and I guess care enough about yourself to go and try to find what makes you feel the best. Cause I mean, that's something that I've struggled with, even with the keto journey and everything, like getting to a point where I pay attention, like, how do I feel when I wake up? 
you know, do if I wake up in the morning and I feel like crap, well, I ate something wrong yesterday. I didn't eat something that I should have eaten. Well, what was that? You know, then I'll maybe remove it or whatever. You know, I mean, if I'm eating like the pseudo keto snacks and stuff you can buy on the grocery and stuff. So, I mean, you really have to take action on yourself, right? So, yeah, I mean, you're responsible for yourself. Right. So like, it's weird though. I have literally, I don't know what it is. Some inherent biological, I think we all have it. I don't know why for me, it's literally saved my life more than one time, but I had a, a therapist point out to me that whatever's like saved me in my childhood will continue to carry me through. And there is this theme throughout my whole life. Like as a child, I remember always being alone. I'm not faulting my parents at all. Like I totally get where they were at, but like my dad worked during the day and then he sometimes like worked really late at night. And then my mom worked third shift. So she was always asleep. So it's like my parents were never really there. My sister is four years older than me. So we're just not on the same level growing up. Um, but I always was at a friend's house. Like I knew who was going to be home when they were going to be home. I would go to my friends whose parents were always home. Like I, so I, I sought out family everywhere. And like, look at poker night. Hello, what was that? Yeah, exactly. Fam it's family. So it was right. So whatever that is, literally has saved my life through my eating disorder. Through, I mean, all of it, really. Right, like my whole childhood. It's kind of crazy, but I don't know what it is. What is that? I don't know. My brother and I are <laughs> four years apart, and I look after him and. Oh, I'm trying to keep him in line. <laughs> yeah, but you um, can't. You can't do that to anybody. We no, I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I'm not like harping on him, mm -hmm. but I try to encourage him. And like when he posts, like, so he is, uh, he's open about it. So it's not something that's like secret or whatever. But he is like recovering from alcoholism. So, mm -hmm. and he is. I can't remember if he's 20 months, 20 months sober. So, you know, 20 months. I can't remember. I had to look it up, but um, without a drink, I mean, he was going through like fatty liver issues mm -hmm. already, and he's four years younger than me, and I'll be 42. So, that kind of stuff. Like, when he would, you know, when he would drink, he'd go hard in the paint, though. You know, I mean, he would be drinking like a fifth a night, wow. which I didn't even know at the time. I know now, and I'm like, I mean, you know, I mean, then there's nothing you can do to get someone to stop doing that. They have to come to that realization on their own. Because, I mean, even if you were to pick them up and put them in somewhere and have them, you know, some kind of intervention, the chance of it sticking is slim, right? Yeah, you, I mean, that's, you literally have to want it for yourself. So I came across that even in my health coaching business. Like so many people would come to me and want me to help them, but like they don't, they want me to fix it for them. And they don't want to take on whatever that is. Whatever that little piece is that makes you have that drive. But that, that has to come from within. So are you still doing the health coach thing? At the moment, no. No? Mm -mm. Any I would, particular reason or outside of like being frustrating or? No, it's, the frustration thing never bothered me. Um, you just have to set hard boundaries, right? Because people just want supplements and you to fix everything without doing the work. But... Um, no, so I got a job 
that was full time because it was really stressful trying to pay bills, like owning a business and not having something more secure, especially when you have little kiddos. So that's it. Normal everyday stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> having a job. Right. Yeah. 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 The reason why I had started it was because I had lost my job. I mean, that's not why I became a health coach, but that's why like I was really pushing for my business was because I had lost a job. So then I had time, but then I ended up getting another job. Cause I've had people come to me throughout my own journey, you know, people that, that we know, people that are friends, close people. And <clears throat> it's about 25% of the people that come to you will have, you know, a moderate to, you know, being successful. And then some people want to see, well, what are you doing? And then you kind of outline it. And then they're like, well, I, that's not for me. Right. Well, there's a lot of effort, a lot of um, self-accountability. I don't know. So it, I feel like it always comes back to your like emotional health though. So I, I don't know. Like, it's about that. Like, do you, how much do you value yourself? How much do you feel like you deserved? Can you slow down enough to even ask yourself um, those like super hard questions of why am I overeating or why am I not eating enough? Like, why am I eating what I eat? And like working full time and having small kids, like I totally get it. There's been moments where my diet has just been crap over the last year. Um, but you kind of just have to like, own it, look yourself in the eye, put your big girl pants on and do something about it. So I don't know. It's hard. You can't, you can't force people to want it. They have to figure it out, but it's that mental, emotional health. I really think, I think it always comes back to that. And I think a big, I think a big component of mental health too, is the fear of like self-realization or the self, like, like looking into yourself. Yeah. Cause I mean, it can be scary. Like, even like I take a look at myself and owning up what I've found. Right. So I know I have trouble with food. I know that food is the catalyst for me. So I have to build the journey around the food issue. So I have to, you know, if I know that I'm going to gravitate towards eating a lot of food, no matter what happens, Excuse me. But I know that I'm going to have issues with quantity of food. Yeah. So I build into how I'm going to eat each day with that in mind. And I'm going to limit to a degree, but not overly so, what I'm going to eat. Obviously, in ketogenic lifestyle. Uh, kind of leaning more towards the carnivore style thing, like where I'm eating mostly, you know, meat, cheese, or meat, eggs primarily with a little bit of cheese and some other stuff mixed in. Sometimes I'll have vegetables, whatever. But I know that I'm going to probably have about a pound of meat and maybe six to eight eggs when I have a meal because I'm going to want a lot and that's going to give me what I need without pushing me over where I need to be kind of thing. So I guess... That self-realization goes a long way, understanding yourself and being realistic with yourself too, like not going into things and setting lofty goals that you know in your heart of hearts you're not going to meet. 
Right. Yes. And knowing that, like, so when you're battling something like that, like you have to literally take a, like, it's like eating an elephant. You just take a bite at a time, right? Like you can't just expect it all to change in one day at all. I still literally can't have certain foods in the house because I'll eat them and I will eat all of them and they will be delicious. <laughs> well, <laughs> but the same thing for us. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I literally, um, food provides me a lot of comfort or like I'll use it to not want to pay attention to what's going on in my head, which is, you know. Yeah. So like that mindless eating because you're mm -hmm. able to just kind of eat like, so like we used to um, splurge and have like popcorn. We'd buy like the bags of popcorn from Kroger. They have like a white cheddar. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Right. But it's terrible for keto. It's not low carb. <laughs> But it's not a bag of Oreos, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, potato, potato. But so we would do that or especially like over like 2020, like we would go out and grab fast food, go get Thai food, even though it's so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Thai food is the best. I don't understand whoever decided Thai oh. food wasn't going to be low carb. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. But that brought us comfort because, I mean, you know, you know, being stuck in the house or whatever, you know, whatever your situation was throughout 2020, right? So, yeah, just finding, you know, and they, that finding comfort in, in food is is still, you know, sort of a, a defense mechanism in of itself. Like, there's a lot of people that I see on Instagram and their whole mantra is food is fuel. And that's how you that's the only way you should look at it. It shouldn't be a reward. It shouldn't be. And they're absolutely right. But at the same time, it's almost impossible for like 99% of people on the planet. Right. I mean, at, well, at least in the United States. And it is fuel, like food is fuel too. But if you think about when we would hunt and gather, so that's, that's what you would spend your day doing, right? And then like the big hunt comes in. What would everybody do together? Celebrate. They would sit down and eat it together. The difference right. is we're super busy right now. And so there's not that time to like sit and gather and enjoy it. We just shove it in our face and forget about it. Like it just becomes this thing. Like we're not conscious of it. Also, we're not, we're doing it with every meal eating like a ton of stuff or eating like high calorie meals for every meal or high fat meals. And like, like it's every meal versus spreading it out. But the thing that I have to do for myself and that's helped me the most, like through this whole thing is literally just eating what makes me feel good. Um, I still have my, dige my digestion is still not great. And I just feel like it's going to take forever to get back to like a good place. Um, so I have to just eat like what makes me feel good? What doesn't bloat me? What doesn't hurt my stomach? Like, okay, so that's no longer just paleo foods. Um, I am still gluten-free. I'm a lot of everything free. I just eat air. But um, <laughs> it's what I feel like. So people ask like, what what can you not have? I'm like, can we just go for a walk? I mean, we just just not eat together. <laughs> this is not gonna work. But um, for me, like I just can't like, don't look at labels. Eat what makes you feel good because you're going to know exactly like what you said. How do you feel the next day after you eat it? How do you feel later? Um, I don't, uh, if I'm super, so like in the summer times, I'm more active. I hike a lot. Um, I like monkey around with my kids a lot. I'm just more hungry. So I just, I just eat. But the thing is, is I, I don't 
eat a bag of potato chips. I don't eat Oreos. Like I'll have a big ass salad with super good salad dressing all over it. Walnuts, sunflower seeds, like just normal, real food. I can't tell you the last time I've actually counted calories or done anything like that. My weight has stayed pretty much the same. And it, I don't pay attention to any, any, no counting anything. There's no macros, nothing, nothing's involved here. I just intuitively eat for a lack of better terms. And like at some point I, I had to just ask myself, like, is it worth doing all of those things to look a particular way? Like it's so corny, but I'm totally on this like body positive, just accept your body for what it is kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I feel really fucking good. I can do a handstand. Like, I, okay, we're good. The job here is done. I don't need to control anything. It looks like <laughs> I can do a handstand, people. I feel pretty good about it. I don't care how much I weigh. <laughs> really? Yeah, I've never been able to do a handstand. And I think that's kind of what draws me to your yoga, too, because you're somebody that I know. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a relationship. And I can see you when you post. I'm like, she's doing yoga. And how many times have I told you I want to do that? And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to never do it. I have been practicing yoga for six years. It took me two years to do a handstand. You, you got put in the time. That's the thing. And, and the crazy thing about it is like, so I don't handstand all the time or headstand all the time or do crazy stuff all the time. I just do basic foundation postures, which strengthen your core. They strengthen every part of your body. And that's what builds the strength for the super cool, like show offy Instagram crazy poses, which honestly, I used to be crazy killer like four years ago, five years ago. I used to be intense five years ago. I'm going to get that back one of these days. Just not today. <laughs> Just not today. Well, it's like, yeah, I, it's like, I realized how much work is going to, would go into that for me, especially for someone where I'm at. Like mm-hmm. I have the flexibility of like a 90 year old man. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but then <laughs> you, you could be surprised at how flexible you will become because you don't need flexibility. Like the point of yoga is to give you that, right? Right. So you, you would be surprised, I think. I, oh, I'm sure that I would. And I, I mean, like, even like right now, like I need to, you know, I think I'm going to go for a walk. And then I hit watch another video on YouTube. I know like, it's like, I've got like certain pieces of things in my life kind of figured out and I'm kind of putting those into place. And there's other, you know, there's other pieces just kind of floating out in the space and I need to pull those in and like more exercise and more physical activity, more going outside, less hiding in the house. Because I really kind of feel like I do just kind of hide in the house. Like, I like my house. I have a really comfortable couch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe you should just burn the couch and just make yourself uncomfortable. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think just do it. There, uh, the other day I recorded a video and I didn't post it and maybe I should now, maybe I still have it. I don't know. If I do, I will post it. Um, every single day I run two and a half miles. I don't, I don't run on weekends typically. Um, especially during the summer, I try to take some rest days from the cardio cause I feel like it can be too much. So every day I run two and a half miles. Um, I don't want to do it ever, ev- ever, never do I want to do it. There's a lot of times I don't want to do yoga, but I do it. And the the thing about it is like, I feel so much better. 
I'm going to about to Sunday, I'm going to do a hot yoga class in Broad Ripple. Listen, I did this a couple weeks ago. I fucking died. Seriously, I looked, I looked so bad. By the end, I literally had to just sit there. People were still moving and I'm just sitting there because it was 95 degrees. The, the way this studio is set up, like above you have heat lamps. Like you're literally a lizard is, is so hot. You're doing yoga on a rock. Yes, it's so, oh my, like, it is, it is insane. But the thing about that is that day was a very, we'll call it a high anxiety day. And I had to have a very hard conversation that I knew was coming. And I didn't want to talk, like, to this person. I, like, I just wanted to ignore it. And this was after the hot yoga I was had. I had this conversation. I literally felt so good. I had the conversation, was able to say, hey, I can't talk about this anymore. We have to shelf it and we can come back to it. I would not have been able to do that. I would have just been like in this spiral of anxiety and not being able to lay out boundaries. But for some reason, the hot yoga, I, it kicked my ass enough, I guess, that the rest didn't matter because I almost died. I have no idea why I felt so good. But so I think as far as like the physical stuff, you just got to do it. And then I know for me personally, like if I have eaten something and I have high inflammation and I'm swollen and I don't feel good in the morning, that's when I need it the most because you're going to sweat it out. You're going to really get the, you're like, um, you're going to really detox. You're going to really get all that inflammation out of there. I don't know the fancy terms, but I know when you exercise, it lowers your inflammation. So like, those are the days for me that are super, super, super hard, but they feel the best when I'm done. So if you think about it as like, Running for me, 20 to 25 minutes. Even if I stop at two miles, 20 minutes. That's <laughs> two and a half slow... miles like four hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a slow run. That's a 10-minute run. I, if As far as runners are concerned, it's a slow run. And I don't run to race. I run because it feels better at the end. Like, I just genuinely feel better after I'm So you get, like, that runner's high? Uh, not while I'm running. It's, no? just, it's just some, some clarity. No, I am I, I around the two and a half mile mark. I do. I start to feel that euphoric, like, hey, I can do this for everything. But the reality is, is I only have 25 minutes in the morning. I got to make the most of it. I got shit to do. I got kids that got to go to school and like, blah, blah, blah. I have to work and all this stuff. So in the moment, no, I don't get that. It is torture the entire way. I hate it. I don't want to do it, but I do it. And then I feel better. About 12 years ago, what was like 2010 or so? I was going to Gold's Gym um, <clears throat> like every day, like every weekday. And I was doing the elliptical and I was working my way up. And I remember I got myself up to a half an hour doing the elliptical. And I think I, I think I was able to get up to like in 30 minutes on the elliptical, I was able to get to like two and a half miles. <laughs> but I remember having that euphoric moment where like I'm running and it just like, you know, not running, but the elliptical. Yeah. And it just felt so good. I was like, I can do this forever. Yeah. But then, you know, and I continued to do it for about six months. And really what my downfall was, was I started at a, at a point in weight. And then after six months, I didn't see enough on the scale, nothing else mattered about the whole point, about the whole thing of it. The scale was the end all be all for me at that point. And I didn't see the numbers moving enough. 
Yeah. So I basically gave up. Yeah. Where yeah. obviously hindsight being 2020, looking back, I felt better. I looked better. And I was utilizing my time better because I was, I mean, I was going, I was sitting in the sauna every day. So that was obviously probably like helping all kinds of stuff, helping my cardiovascular. I was getting in the water every day. So I was kind of not swimming. I wasn't swing laps, but I was stretching in the water. Cause like I said, I have terrible flexibility, but being in the water helps a lot with that for me. Mm-hmm. So I was going in and doing, you know, the elliptical or I would go in and lift a little bit of weights. I wasn't doing a ton of that. I didn't really know what I was doing with the weights. So I would just kind of bob around the different machines and kind of do it for a few minutes. I'm like, woo, woo, you know, that's and me. I know, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but then I get on the elliptical and I can do that for half an hour, go sit in the sauna for 20 minutes, get in the pool and stretch and then shower and go to work. But I was spending like two hours a day at the gym, not really being effective, I guess, but I felt good. Yeah. And you got to stick. So the, and the thing about it too, I feel like you don't feel good at first. It's going to be hard. It's going to be crazy hard, but you do get to a point where you like build up and it feels so much better. You just got to get, get to that point. Cause I remember the first weekend after going, uh, my arms hurt so bad. Like both of them, <laughs> like I, I just, I wanted to cut them off. Yeah. Like they, they, they just were like, and it wasn't just like sore muscles, but it was just like, my body was like, what did you do to us? <laughs> and then I remember yeah. I went downstairs at my friend's house and he had a, he had a, uh, you know, like a curling bar and it was like 50 pounds. And I curled it like once, maybe, maybe like between one and five times. And it, that pain went away. Yeah. So yoga stretching helps with that pain. Although I kind of like that pain. Not when it's so much where you can't like sit down on the toilet. Like that's Well, this is so bad I couldn't sit still. It was just like, I mean, it was probably something so new to me because I mean, let's be real. I mean, I was working at a sit-down job at that point for about three years. Prior to that, for like nine years, I was working at a warehouse. I was up walking, moving, doing stuff all the time. Then I went to a sit-down job. My body was like, all right. And yeah. then I go to the gym and I was like, ah! what are you doing? <laughs> Don't do that. That hurts. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it was, it was, it, I remember like the people that were over, I'm like, will you rub my arms? <laughs> so bad. And they were like, no, I'm like, please. It was so bad. How were I mean, you, how was your diet then? Like, what were you eating? Oh, terrible garbage. Oh, well, I mean, okay. So when I stopped at that point, it was garbage. And then when I started going to the gym, I tried to eat better but I didn't know what that meant. So what I was doing was I would go to the gym and then I would go across the street. Cause this was like at gold's gym on 86th in Michigan. And across the street, there was a subway. I would go in and get a breakfast wrap, like one of those flat, like a breakfast flatbread. And then I would have them make me a foot long sub with chicken breast. I figured a sub with chicken breast is going to be healthy. Right. Yeah. And I would eat the breakfast flatbread and I would have it with egg whites because I thought that was what I was supposed to do. So flatbread, egg whites, some cheese, and then I have coffee and then I would go to work and I would eat the flatbread. And then about 20 minutes later, I would be so hungry. I would eat my lunch at that point too. Yeah. You need that fat. So 
If you worked out like that and did keto, I bet you wouldn't be a sore. Oh, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Well, at first I probably would, but well. I mean, I think just kind of getting into that motion again, like I had, <laughs> I had a, uh, I had a membership to uh, planet fitness. And then when I went into finally, I gave up and was like, I'm going to cancel this. And they were like, yeah, you haven't been here for like 3000 days <laughs> or something crazy. It was like, oh. <laughs> this makes you like, it's the worst feeling. They're like, yeah, you just paid us money for no reason. But I remember there was a point when I was working at the warehouse because I remember I started to get skinny and I just uh, kind of chalked it up to being at the warehouse. But then when I went back and kind of analyzed what I was eating, how and when I was eating, it all made sense knowing kind of what I know now. So I would not eat anything when I got up and I would get up about three o'clock in the afternoon because I had to be at work at four in the afternoon and work till midnight, 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. This is where I was working when we met all at the poker night stuff, like over at Sleeve's house and stuff. So um, I would get up and then I my grandma would make me lunch and I would take that with me and eat that about eight o'clock. So my first meal would be at eight o'clock and it would be Sometimes it would be like, and this will sound gross to most people, but it was a peanut butter and butter sandwich. But I love peanut butter and butter. <laughs> Even it's, I don't know what it is. It's, it's good. Well, it must be that fat, right? You create like, it, I say it all the time. If there's enough fat and enough sugar, it's going to taste good. Right? Yeah. So basically you're just adding more fat to the peanut butter. <laughs> really is what you're doing. Yeah. And so I'd have that. And I was probably drinking some sort of diet soda at the time, maybe, maybe regular soda. I don't remember. And then I would eat when I got home about 12, well, between 12 and two in the morning, I'd get home and I would make baked tilapia, really super spicy baked tilapia. And then I would make like the boil and bag rice and I would eat that. And then I wouldn't eat again until the next night at eight o'clock. So in all reality, I was doing intermittent fasting without even knowing that was a thing. Yeah, for so, sure. So, like, I was actually doing, like, 16-8 without even thinking about it. I was, you know, eating from you – know, my eating window was, what, eight hours? Yeah. So, between four and 12 and two, depending on what time I actually got home. Yeah. So, there was that. I was doing intermittent fasting. I was actually moving around. I was on my feet for eight to 12 hours a day, depending on how long I was at the job. Walking moving boxes, whatever, whatever I needed to do that day. And then I was, so I mean, and then I was eating like rice and tilapia. So it was pretty simple. I was having like the peanut butter and butter sandwiches or a, uh, it was like this butter, like this buttery, like instant noodle stuff that wasn't like, not like the bowl of noodle, but like, like the dollar cheap dollar bags of noodles you can get from the grocery store. You just add like butter and milk to it. Hmm. Um, it was like an angel hair type pasta. I think I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. And I would have that or the, or the sandwiches. Cause it was easy for my grandma to make for me and I would just leave. And I mean, I was old enough that I should have been making my own food, but I mean, I cooked my own dinner, but she made my lunch for me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's always been good to me. Um, um, 
But yeah, so like going back and looking at that, I mean, I don't know how much weight I lost versus how much I gained going to the other job. But I mean, I know that while I was working at the other job is when I hit my max, at least hit the maximum that I was aware of of over 420 pounds. But I don't know. I don't know if that was my biggest or not. I just don't. I mean, that's just the one that I had caught with a scale. Yeah. Do you feel like weight is an actual number is important to you now? Not as it once was. I mean, I still have kind of goals and I know that weight is a part of that goal, but it's not necessarily the number, but it's more like I, I want to get to like a certain clothing size and I kind of want to look a certain way when I'm wearing clothes. Yeah. But like the number itself is not so important. Like I don't weigh myself very often. Usually the only time I'm going to weigh myself is if I'm going to do an extended fast like seven days or more. So and I'll weigh myself the first day and then I'll weigh myself a couple of days as we go through the fast or whatever, just to kind of see what's happening. Then I'll, you know, that's the usually the time I'll check my ketones and I'll check my blood sugar just to kind of get a, an idea of what's happening when I'm doing the fast. Otherwise, I don't do that stuff too often unless somebody asks me or if I'm doing something in particular to check it for. Yeah. But... I mean, our scale sucks anyway, so. <laughs> and I think, and I think really, and I've been wanting to make a video about this, but I think the scale is kind of like the biggest, like, reason most people fail. Yeah. I can I mean, agree. Outside of just, excuse me, I shouldn't be drinking carbonated beverages on the air, but, <laughs> or while I'm recording this, but. I think that's the reason why, well, I mean, the scale, like the numbers, because we're so fixated on those numbers. Yeah. It's you know, I am, I'm this tall, so I should weigh this much. And if I don't, I'm a failure. And if I don't lose X number of pounds every week, then I'm a failure. And I see that all the time in like the various keto groups that I'm in. I only lost five pounds this week. What am I doing wrong? Well, it sounds like you did something right. Right. I I really struggle with weight loss and not just because I like have had issues, but, and maybe it is just because of that, but I, I really feel like we put too much value in that number and there is too much value in even like wanting to look a particular way because we, we all like, it is unreal, unrealistic to try. So I think like BMI, if we were going based off of BMI and my height, I'd have to lose like 30 pounds. I'm not big. The 30 pounds is a lot off of me. It doesn't take into consideration how much muscle weighs. It like, I, so I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like it's an accurate measure of anything. And I feel like it's really um, sort of archaic in a way. Well, BMI is archaic. I mean, it was derived to kind of get an understanding of like of a, of a population from my understanding. So had nothing to do with the individual necessarily, but it was a good way. So you take their height divided by their weight and you get this number. Yeah. But it doesn't make any sense because like you could take someone like, I know Joe Rogan had talked about this one point where he's like, he's like, I'm obese. And you look at him, he's got abs. Right. I'm considered obese. I, I don't think that I'm obese. I, I do have body dysmorphia. Do you know what that is? Do you have oh, that? I, I suffer from that a big time. Is it in a trip? Oh, man, it's so messed up. Like, I can look in the mirror, and I mean, it's subtle, 
But I could look in the mirror and be like, oh, I don't look. And, and again, your brain's like, you haven't lost anything. You still look exactly the same. I'm like, oh. and then I, and even though I'm, even though like your brain's like, yeah, idiot, you have, you do, you look better. This is smaller, you know what I mean? But like, you actually have to actively kind of fight with yourself on it. So like, yeah. but if you're just in, like, it's really bad for me in passing, like, or I'll get up and I'll put something on and I'm like, oh, such a fat slob, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like for me, I don't know. I just know that when I see myself, it's a lie. Like it's literally my eyes don't see the truth. It's so weird. It's super trippy. And I don't know how else to, to describe it, but yeah. I mean, it's one of the main reasons there's not a lot of pictures of me out there, like from years ago. Yeah. They're just, I, I mean, and there were, and that was like coming on the age of cameras being everywhere. Everybody had a camera in their phone. And there's pictures of all kinds of people. And and there, I mean, there might be more than I think, but especially like when I was at my biggest, I think I hid the most from the cameras. But, you know, so like when I go in now to try to do like side-by-sides, there's like a, maybe four or five pictures that I can draw from that I have. Yeah. But, but even still, like, I'll have to stop and look at those pictures sometimes. And then even like, I'll look at that picture. And I'm like, well, that was me. This is me now. But I know I probably look like that because I was probably leaning forward too much or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It's a it's a trip. That's why I there's that's so that's why my my Instagram is basically movement and you don't see a whole lot of me in a picture <laughs> or I'm making weird faces. I've noticed that a lot of my pictures I have just like the most awkward face. And it's I think it has something to do with that. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, you know, it's like, you know, the old adage, like you always have those people that like can never take a serious picture. Yeah. They've always, they're always flipping off the camera or doing something. They're always making a funny face because they're not happy with something. Yeah. And it's not even, it's probably, it's obviously not conscious, but. Yeah, I mean, for sure. So I feel like, yeah. I'm gonna have to like analyze now every time I take a picture of myself. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like, what don't I like and what am I doing? Or like, I don't know, I'm gonna have to push that. I anytime I find something like that about myself that's uncomfortable, I have to just push it and try to make myself super uncomfortable. It's weird. I don't know if I look at it like that or not. It's probably I mean, might be the same thing, but I don't know if I look at it the same way. Like I like to try to do hard things, but like hard things in my mind that seem like they'll be easy for me to do. Like what? Like the fasting. So like, I know that I can do seven days. I know I can do 14 days. And when I did the 21 day fast beginning of the year, I knew that that was going to be a hard thing to do, but it would be something that hard for me to do that I could do with little effort, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is there anything that like, like, is there a challenge though that you could give yourself that would be, so for me, it's about challenging my beliefs about myself and my mental state and all, like all of that. Like I am, so there is somebody doing a photo shoot today for body positivity and bathing suits and I'm considering doing it today or the next time that they're doing it 
only because it makes me super fucking uncomfortable. Oh, same. Like, holy crap, this is going to make... And so, it, like, it's not even just, like, I, like, it feels like I just want to shrivel up and die, not show myself off in a bathing suit. <laughs> so well, I was always I, that kid that, well, like, even into being an adult, that I wouldn't take my shirt off to get in the swimming pool. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel like I want to go in, like, a robe and, like, a full... You know, like a full-on bait, like the old school bait, not a swimsuit, like an old school bathing suit that's like the shorts. I won't if I do it, but I'm trying to like really get myself. But it's because I want to push myself to just celebrate who I am and like what I look like now and like what my body has been through. And a way to do that is make myself really freaking uncomfortable with it. I've been seeing like a lot of the body, the body positivity shoots with like, they'll do like on Instagram and you can swipe through and see like women and men and doing like, you know, like whether they're like super skinny guys or like overweight guys and, you know, women of all shapes and such. And I think it's very important um, for people to be able to step outside their comfort zone and kind of be like, this is who I am may not be where I want to be but this is where I am now. I also think part of the message that's like really important is like, like this is normal. Right. What, what I look like is normal. I want to do it so bad in regards to like being a mother and what my body looks like now. And I, I'm not saying that I think that it looks bad, but I have a ton of extra skin on my stomach. And that, so like, there's always going to be this like, layer <laughs> like a little it's like a little pooch but it's got extra skin so it looks kind of weird but like i had three kids and every child no matter how i ate i gained 50 pounds like so you think about that on top of what i did to my body when i was young it, it's just it it looks the way that it looks like it doesn't look bad i don't look awful it doesn't it, it doesn't mean anything about me as a person but i think that it's really important for like especially relating to me as like other mothers feeling okay looking like they look like with the extra skin with rolls and stuff like you can see I have some defined abs but I also have a very squishy <laughs> rolly extra skin stomach it's interesting and I've wanted to throw that out there for a while but I'm too scared <laughs> well I mean there's I mean okay so there's a youtuber um he is very open about his loose skin and such. Mm -hmm. um, he's uh, his he's obese to beast. Okay. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with. He's like he's been on Ellen. She gave him a car. Cool. No, I'm uh, not familiar with him, but that's awesome. Well, I mean, I think he got the publicity because he came out on YouTube, like, and showed himself and like his loose skin, like, like it's so, like his pecs, like you can see he has like defined pecs, mm -hmm. and then like, but his like his skin sags below his pecs, and his nipples are below his pecs. I think every nursing mother can relate, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then he's like, you, you can see like the belly, like the belly skin is hanging mm -hmm. real low. And and I mean, I think as stigmatized as it is for like women who've had kids, I think it's probably even worse for like big dudes who've lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. But only in the fact that, well... Because I think people think, well, you've lost this weight. You should look good now. Right. You know? Right. And and I, go ahead. 
No, I, 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 I have the thought in my head, but I ha- I don't have the words for it yet. So go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, I feel like coming from seeing it, like I can see that, but from a woman's standpoint, there's so much, and I believe this for men too, especially on the internet, um, that there's so much push to have like a perfect body, to have, or I, there's not as much anymore because we're awesome human beings are, but, but just to have like, just a snap back from having a kid. There's so many like wraps and stuff that you can buy after how like, it's just ridiculous to think that women should just snap back. It's taken me over a year every time I've had a kid to get like my body quote unquote back. But like, it's, it's impo- like, why are we trying to get a body back? Why not just be like, hey, this is just what it looks like now. Like this is, I'm taking care of it. It's nourishing a baby. It just grew a whole being. Like, why not stop there? So. Well, I mean, I can see both sides of that. So, and I'm, and so I know that there's a lot of pressure on women probably. And I, and I, and I kind of said, there's a stigma with guys, but not in the same way that there are with, because women that you have, there's obviously the over-sexualization of women. So like, you know, like everybody says, oh, pregnant women are glowing. They're beautiful in which they are. You know, when you see a pregnant woman, you're just like, oh, she's pregnant. Look at her. She's beautiful. Look at her. Right. Yeah. Then as soon as they have the baby, you do expect them to go and go back to where they were and be beautiful again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost like, For me, another thing that helped me like overcome all of this with myself is don't buy magazines anymore. Don't watch anything or pay attention to anything that's gonna make me feel negative about the way that I look because for a long time growing up in the 80s and 90s, like twig models, so I see it now, like you go to the mall, Victoria's Secret has all size models or all quote unquote size models. I'm sure they're still on the smaller side, but they're not anymore that um, that image of just stick thin isn't there and it's becoming more popular to like have every shape of a woman be represented. I just think it's super important for men too. I'm not trying to speak from just women. I think it's for all humans just to be comfortable in the skin that we exist in because we all deserve to just not have to fucking worry about what we look like all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because Shannon and I will talk about that all the time. She will say like, you know, plus size women's clothing is atrocious. Yeah. Like it's like they almost make it ugly on purpose. Yes. Yes. And I mean, that's what she, t- I mean, and that's coming t- directly from her. Yes. She'd be like, they just, the cuts are bad. The prints are bad. It's like now there are companies coming around now there's mm-hmm. Torrid and different stuff. Cause she's a reseller on top of her normal job. So she goes and buys clothes and resells them and, so she's always talking to me about this and I try to absorb it a little bit and I pay attention and she shows me things that she buys and what she thinks she can sell it for. And I understand that there's the, the brands that are the bigger sizes, like the Torrid. And I can't, I can't think of the other ones. I know Torrid's one of the biggest ones right now Yeah. for plus size, but I know there's Lane Bryant and I remember Lane Bryant was when my mom was around. Yeah. Cause my mom was a big woman and like, if she wanted to get some nice clothes, that's where she had to go. Um, yeah. Now, for me, as a big guy, when I was 400 pounds, like at my biggest, I was wearing 50 inch pants. 
And that was like under the gut. Yeah. Not if I was wearing over the gut, it'd probably have been a 60, 60, whatever plus. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always wore under the gut. There's the, there's the two factions, you know, and there was only a few places you can go to find clothes that are affordable, but like there's the big and tall stores. Yeah. And they're like ridiculously expensive for like no reason. Like, well, I think they're expensive because they think they can be. Yeah. And even in though, even in those magazines, like because I still get the the mailers sometimes, and they're like the catalogs. And even in those, it's like these giant, like look like ex football player guys, like the quarterback guy, like six foot six, and he's muscular, so he shops at Big and Tall. Yeah. He's never like. You know, the six foot, 430 pound guy who's like, oh, I can't find a pair of pants at Walmart. Yeah. It's so, got to be, I don't know. I hope that stops because everybody should feel comfortable being themselves, right? Like, well, and, and, and I, and I, and I know. So it's like a twofold issue, too. Like, I hope that nobody, I wish that nobody had to go through what I went through. I wish that nobody got to be 400 pounds. Yeah. I wish there wasn't like rampant obesity. I really do. I mean, and not just the BMI aspect of obesity, but like the actual unhealthy of obesity that we have because it's terrifying. It feels terrible. You know, my legs hurt all the time. I didn't breathe very well. I kind of, I had sleep. I still have sleep apnea. I still sleep with a CPAP machine, but heartburn and just all kinds of terrible things that come along with being that big along with other things that I I haven't necessarily talked about too much, but there were like, like at work at the, my biggest, I couldn't use certain rest, like certain restroom stalls because they didn't fit anymore. Yeah. You know, things like that, that I don't wish upon anybody. And that's, that's like, so kind of like when we start talking about body positivity, I kind of have like a double-edged sword admiration for the campaign. Yeah. Cause that's somebody who was so big. Like, I know what comes along with being big, and you want to be positive to people, but you also know what they're going through being big. Yeah. And it's like, you want to be like, but don't be big. And I know that it's, it doesn't work because it didn't yeah. work for me, right? Yeah. I but mean, I, just, want, yeah. I, want, I want everybody to feel as good as I feel. I don't, I feel like telling somebody that they're okay looking the way that they are, I feel like it's meeting someone where they're at. Right. And and it's also okay to lose weight if that's what you want. But at the same time, like you don't need degraded as a human being because you're bigger or even because you're smaller, like right. either, either end of the spectrum. Like we need to, I've tried so hard with my kids to not, and this is actually just backfired the other day. Hello. I'll tell you the story in a second. So I've tried really hard to instill never to speak about the way somebody looks ever like and um, by modeling that and literally it never being a thing backfire the other day so we have this slack line in our front yard and it has all this like ninja stuff hanging from it so it's got rings on it it's got ropes with knots on it's just all sorts of stuff hanging from it and I like to get up there and swing around on it and do some stuff on it And my daughter was doing, like she was hanging upside down and I jumped up and flipped upside down on it. And she hung up and I was like, dang girl, you could like, you're really strong. If you can stay on the slack line when 150 pounds just swings up and starts like, I mean, it moves a lot when I get up there. 
And she was like, well, if you lost that fat on your stomach, but she she didn't mean it in a degrading way. She was literally just a matter of fact. Hey, if you lost that fat on your stomach, you wouldn't be 150 pounds. Um, it was very non-judgmental. I literally had to walk away for a minute and come back to her and be like, hey, just so you know, like there are people, if you say that too, this is gonna hurt their feelings. It actually kind of just triggered me in a way. Um, but uh, so like to a fault, right? So we've never commented on people's bodies. She didn't mean it. Like she didn't know fat was like a shameful word to call people. She didn't, she had no idea. So, I, but I feel like I, like a humanity as a whole, like can we get on this level? Like there are so many more important things to talk about in this world than what somebody's body looked like. And, and to be honest, you knew at 400 pounds that it sucked. Oh, nobody, yeah. nobody needed to tell you that. Right. I knew at 85 pounds, nobody needed to tell me, no one. So can, can we move on? Like, can we like just come off of that as a, as a society, even though it is important to be healthy, can we stop commenting on everybody's bodies? Right. And I, and I, and I know, and I don't necessarily always make comments or whatever, but I see like <clears throat> some of the plus size models and stuff out there and the body positivity movement. And then I worry like, and I think it comes just from me, right? Just from my own personal experience. I'm like, that can't feel good. And I, and I get that they're out there. They're doing something pretty awesome by being out there in a bathing suit or they're doing they're being a model. They're out there putting themselves forward where I was always retreating behind the camera, trying to be the person taking the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'm, I just think that the intent for the body positivity thing isn't to just say everybody should be whatever and not do better. Cause I think, right. Like human beings, like personal growth, we should all just continue to try to be a better person in whatever capacity that is. Because I think it backfires, too, because I think wasn't there a lot of backlash about like when Adele lost weight? Yes. Yes. People like, hated it. She was bigger and then she lost weight and people were like, oh, she was a champion of the bigger woman and she lost weight. She left us or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, those are the people who are looking for an excuse to be right, big. The, right. Those are the people that this body positive thing isn't isn't like a progression. They're looking for it as an excuse. You know? Oh, of course. And I mean, that's still, I mean, that's one thing, like, I'm still not where I'm comfortable, but even me being comfortable, like even doing, like being on camera is difficult for me. So, I mean, it's not as difficult as I thought it would be. And I've had to get over things like hearing my own voice and despising the sound of my own voice <laughs> I think we edit all these that. videos <laughs> yeah. well I mean these videos I don't necessarily edit too much there's this there's not a lot that goes into editing these mm -hmm. basically what I do is I go in and I cut apart the beginning where I put the intro saying who I have the guest and I, my little intro music and stuff plays and then we talk and then I put the outro stuff in and then I put in some like uh little animations in the video that pop up and say subscribe and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. But I'm still hearing myself if I'm editing an actual video where I'm cooking and I hear, I go through the, you know, the 45 minutes of footage to bring it down to 12 minutes. Right. So that's huge hurdles for me being on camera in of itself is a huge hurdle for me. And then looking at myself all the time is difficult. Something I mean, 
I have days where the body pot, like where that dysmorphia is kind of shuts off a little bit. I'm like, man, I'm a good looking dude. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe is that what it's all about? Do we just continue to expose ourselves to ourselves and not avoid it? I don't know. Yeah. Will that help? Cause I feel the same about myself, but I feel like it's more of an acceptance thing. Like one reason why I don't post as much yoga now is also because sometimes I don't like, like when I'm twisted in a pose, like my, my stomach looks like a ringed towel <laughs> and not, not in a terrible way, but like, well, that's not very flattering or like the yoga pants will come down a little bit and then the extra skin like flaps over it, you know? <laughs> well, it's the same thing with like if I lift my arm up and you can see my dangling, my, my bye-bye arm, you know? Hang on. Let me see if I can get Luigi. <laughs> Luigi. No. I, here. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. But like, look at this. Look at, <laughs> I mean, like, look at that. Well, so you've got like that. I don't, I have some of that like on my hands a little bit and it's different depending on the day. Like if I'm like feeling real good or whatever, it's a little more elastic, I guess you can see it. And yeah. like I can tell by like what I can see in my hands or like how my hands feel, like if they feel kind of stiff or sore, there's a lot of weird things. Like your body gives us a lot of information. I think we ignore a lot. For sure. I know when I'm having blood sugar issues, my veins start popping out of my hands. So is that like too much blood sugar or too not, not enough? Like, like, like a hypo or hyper. It would be. I think it'd be too much. I think, I don't know. Nobody's at, no doctor has ever been able to figure it out. Like when I, when we were hanging out, I would black out. I don't think I, it ever happened when we actually like at poker night or anything, but there's been a handful of times where I've just blacked out. Um, and it's been related to blood sugar issues, but no doctor. like I, every time I do a glucose test or anything, I'm fine. I think the way they do glucose tests, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's antiquated. I think, cause don't they give you like 75 mils of like pure glucose and then have you sit in a room for an hour? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have to show up like, so the thing that sucked for me about it is now, now I, you were talking about intermittent fasting. I do go 12 to 14 hours without eating and I feel the best. Also, if I space out my meals. But when I'm, when I was at my worst, if you don't, like if I didn't eat breakfast and then you have to go to the lab, you have to do it when you've been fasting. And then they give you this glucose. I don't, I had the shakes afterwards. I felt awful, but none, I, like I felt awful, but none of the testing ever reflected anything. It was wild. So yeah, I don't, when I, I had gestational diabetes with my third and that's when I started associating the um, veins popping out of my hand with the blood sugar. And I started noticing. So in that situation, it was high. But I, it also happens when it's low. Like, it's like, I don't know. It's crazy. The human yeah. body fascinates me. Like, one of my last guests I had on, she was a type 1. She is a type 1 diabetic. And she checks. She has, like, one of those continuous blood glucose monitors. Mm -hmm. And she's very uh, diligent and keeping her blood sugars very stable because mm -hmm. um, then she can minimize the amount of insulin she's using. And if her blood sugar gets too high, she gets these really bad headaches. Yeah. So she tries to never let her blood glucose spike above 120. And then she like, she's been able to keep her HbA1c at like 4.7, which blew me away. I don't think I've ever met a type one diabetic who can do that. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to be able to say if I have, but I know a lot of type one diabetics who have lost appendages because of it. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So the average diabetic is treated to an HbA1c of seven. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's the baseline. Okay. So that's what they shoot for. Even though like with type two diabetes, the base like diabetic is anything above like a six point something. Okay. So they shoot to keep you in the diabetic range with the blood sugar. Yeah. Which baffles me. And it baffles a lot of people who are in that space now. But yeah, I mean, like Verta Health and and there's a lot of doctors like uh, even in Indiana, there's Dr. Sarah Helberg might be saying her name incorrectly. Um, but there's like she's working out of uh, Purdue and IU uh, hospitals uh, and doing a lot of work with that. And Dr. Stephen Finney, um they're doing a lot of cool stuff on that, like the diabetic side of stuff and checking all the sugars and everything. Um, and I got to double check myself because I could be just mixing people up too and <laughs> what they're studying. But I know that Verta Health is big in that space. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, that was like super impressive to me that somebody could do that. Like even my cousin's husband is like, he's like, I'm usually about a nine. And and I'm like, does, does, <sighs> Is she keto? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. So she is, uh, uh, her name is Noir. Okay. And she is one of the two main people on the Making Kaka YouTube channel. Gotcha. I had them on a couple of days, a couple, like, like two weeks ago, they were on my podcast. I posted it. Um, so she is primarily, she's basically keto. And then uh, Jahil is not all the time. He has been, but he's got some uh, issues with the doctor. Didn't want him to do keto because of cholesterol. I think he's a cholesterol hyper responder. Hmm. So like when you go keto, your cholesterol goes way high. Yeah. And like, and, and even I told him, I was like, there's doctors right now doing research to see if that even means anything negative or not, or if that's just something that the body does. Right. And the body's like cool with it. Because yeah, we don't know a lot about cholesterol at this point. Right. There's so much involved in cholesterol, how it's metabolized, what the body does with it, how your liver takes care of it. Like there's so many pieces to that puzzle that I don't think that taking the snapshot of what your cholesterol is, is accurate at all. I, my brother-in-law just had a widow maker and they're trying to get him to go low fat. And I'm like, you need to look into different medicine because the way that they're thinking of it is not the same. I, I learned, I wish I could remember where I learned this, but I, I also wish I could totally, maybe you can do this, look into it. But um, I learned that when they figured out that cholesterol was like what clogged the heart up, all they did was cut the artery open and see that it was cholesterol. And they just assumed that cholesterol meant cholesterol. They didn't, like, right. there was no, there was no testing. Like they just were like, oh, well, there's cholesterol there. It must be the cholesterol within our, and that's not true at all, that it has more to do with inflammation, that it had, like, it has so much more to do with yes. other things. I mean, the, the levels of magnesium that you have, calcium, like it's not at all. So inflammation's huge and not just the cholesterol, but the type of cholesterol, like you're looking at like the triglyceride levels, mm -hmm. you're looking at. Like even like 
is the cholesterol is like the LDL. Is it big and fluffy and happy or is it like condensed and sticky? Yeah. Particle numbers. Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Like, like the particle size. There's like, there's so much going on with it. that just going, well, you've got a cholesterol level of 300. We need to get you on this statin to bring right. that down. Cause even, you know, Shander will tell me like most people who have like, and, and other doctors have said this, they'll say that people who have heart attacks usually have low cholesterol at the time of the event. This was so like the high cholesterol is not the deciding factor of whether you're going to have a heart attack or not. It's the plaque buildup in your, it's like the plaque. You can get like, I still want to go get a CAC calcium score. Yeah. It's like a hundred bucks. I just got to be able to go and get it. Um, I like to do a DEXA scan. There's a lot of stuff I'd like to do to kind of see like what my actual body mass is like relative to how much fat I have, get an mm -hmm. accurate representation of what the percentage is. So I can look at the weight because it's not like weight is the end all be all, but it's a definite goal number. Kind of like I figure I should probably be for my own self, like 220. Yeah. And I'm like, I haven't weighed myself in a while, but I know before I did my fast, I was like 330, which means I'd gained a bunch of weight back over 2020, or it's like 340. Then I did the 21 day fast and lost about 40 pounds. And I only gained maybe 10 of it back. Yeah. But then I haven't weighed myself to see if I've gained where I'm at. But I had gotten down with, uh, I got down to like 275 was like the lowest. And I know I was also wearing smaller clothes. That's an indicator that I like to use more so. So I was wearing like 38, 32 pants. And then when I uh, started working from home during the pandemic, I uh, went to put on some pants and there was no, I, I had to go and buy a pair of like 44, 32s for my sister's wedding and jeans. Yeah. So like, and I don't know, like two, I, there's two things to that, like the, the weight gain, like, and just, you know, the, the depression that kind of come along with everything that happened in the last year or so, because I don't think anybody came out on scathes on the depression side. I don't think anybody came no. out good on that. Right. Right. I mean, like we're like, I, there are so many, okay. First of all, there's so many people who I have come across that are like, um, maybe I should do therapy and may, like, they just seem so unsure. I'm like, hi, we're humans. We just spent a year like avoiding each other. We're you're a human being. You're supposed to be social. You're supposed like, there are so many things about being a human that we just ripped from our society for the past year. Rightfully so. I'm not saying we shouldn't have, but like, yes, every human being is suffering on some level. It can't be comparable, but yes, every, everyone, you know? I think like not only that, but then like, even as we start to come out of it, there's people who are like, I don't think, I don't think we should ever have handshakes again and we should never hug again. And I'm like, too late. No, I need, I have to be able to have some human contact because hugs and handshakes and cause just like touching people's elbows is not going to be enough for me. And I know that that sounds weird, but like, that's the hardest part for me. Like, <laughs> oh, I need people in my life. And I mean, this is cool and all, but I'm kind of not, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking into this camera right here. So yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And we're not like, you can't make eye contact that way. 
um, which is weird because like, do I look in this? Do I look at you? I've just been looking at you the whole time. So, uh, but like, I just got an hour and a half massage today. Partially. Oh, wonderful. Oh, it's pretty good. And then like, hmm, because the last time I got an hour and this time I did an hour and a half. And I'm like, I wonder what the two hour would be like. <laughs> but part of it, I need it because I have a ton of tension in my back. And another part is like, hey, we need touch. Like, it's so important for humans to touch one another, to hug one another, to shake one another's hands. I've already done that. I, listen, I'm in. I'm I'm full on. I am no longer scared of it. I I want to be a human again. I live with a nurse who would come home in the beginning of everything. And for the longest time, she would come under the garage, pull in the garage, close the garage door, strip naked, put all her work clothes into a trash bag. We would go together upstairs. I would put her clothes right into the wash, hot water, like a couple like the the little tab things into the into the washing machine put like three of those in for just her uniform whether or not that did anything i don't know but, <laughs> but we didn't yeah. know any like it was just yeah. terrifying and we yes. didn't know so you know she's like running naked through the house there's like seven people living here <laughs> like mom's home close your eyes she's running through the house <laughs> you know unless you unless you want to be scarred for life you know <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and then we were worried about the N95s and there's just but then as time has gone on, like I was not as scared anymore. I wasn't mm -hmm. scared of, of like the illness. I was this, I was more scared of like the ramifications of humanity. Yes. And I I say every time I talk about this, I say like, hey, a year ago, appropriate response, appropriate. We all freaked out. We have acted accordingly. We did everything we should. And now I'm like. A year later, I'm ready to go do this thing down here that they're doing. Like, okay, so living in Broad Ripple, you would never know a pandemic is going on. There's people everywhere all the time. I'm ready to go partake. I'm so, um, I don't know. Dis I like. I'm so tired of feeling disconnected socially to the whole world. Or um, in the spring when we started to go to the playground, we never wore masks and you could tell a lot of families were uncomfortable with it. And now every family is mask free. And I'm like, hallelujah. Can we all like our kids need to see faces. My three-year-old just spent year two to three, like a super important year of development, not around other human beings. Thankfully she has sisters and there's some of that. And we have had like our, um, our, what, what did the COVID like pod friends or whatever that we could have spent a little bit of time with, you know, but like, it's just so important for humans to gather. And I think everything's starting to open up. There's concerts coming. I've seen like more tour dates. And so that's kind of exciting. I just kind of worried like how things are going to go. How are people going to be weird about it? I mean. As far as what? Well, I mean, now you're kind of going back like. When there's a consistency to going to shows, especially like someone like me, I was going to shows four or five, maybe six times a month. Mm -hmm. Music is a huge part of my life. I'm even working on doing a music podcast, uh, talking to musicians and such, but um, 
take that away and then you open it back up and the like how are people going to behave with the first like handful of shows like the first six months of shows people start getting out to go see something they're letting loose how's that going to look right like, um hello the, the roaring 20s hello yeah yeah hello. and that was something that was never really explained to me until this pandemic like you know we had like the 1918 pandemic and then the roaring 20s came through and then we had like the depression of the 30s and then then we had World War II. Well, we had World War One. Then the I think World War One probably spread that pandemic, but that's a whole other story. But um, I think people are going to lose their minds. I once, don't. Once they get comfortable, once they get comfortable, I think yeah. the summer is going to be okay. But I still see people like I'm not going to ever not wear a mask. Yes, I hear it too. Or like they're so happy that nobody got the flu this year. But I feel like. There's so much fear involved in getting sick. And I'm not saying that COVID wasn't serious, but like we are made to get sick and your immune system is here to help you with that. And if you starve your immune system from fighting off all of these things, it's going to be weakened. Like you, see, right. you, you have to have germs. Like we have to be exposed to each other or else we're going to be super compromised. So there, we, there's a middle ground. Yes, COVID's scary, but like you can't avoid for, I mean, there's a stomach virus going around right now. Like it, it's just part of being human. Now we had a couple of different things run through our house over the last couple of weeks. I didn't get any of it. <laughs> Everyone's mad at me for it. I don't get like, it either. Well, I was the one cooking for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, like. I hope that we can kind of learn from this experience. And I think some people are going to be like hyper scared because of everything. Yeah. Well, they're going to be, they're not going to, they're going to want to be the ones who think that we should continue wearing masks no matter what. Cause like there's that Japan example. Cause Japan is a society where they do wear masks often. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe if you do, Feel, like feel the need to go out and you're not feeling well maybe you wear a mask maybe you i don't but i mean at the same time is that something that japan does because japan is basically like one giant city then right. how does i mean like if you live and you deal with brownsburg is that the same as you know you know like being in the middle of a big giant city like new york i don't know right yeah uh, well and I think there's autonomy here, right? Like we need to be able to make our own decisions for our own selves. To be honest, that's how I feel about it. There's a level of autonomy that humans need. I'm excited for things to kind of get back to normal. At the same time, I went over to uh, Plum's house over the weekend for his birthday and there was maybe 20-ish people throughout the night kind of coming and going. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not all the way ready, not because of like any worries about being sick or whatever, but just the interaction in itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm awkward as fuck. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to have a conversation. <laughs> I'm at home with kids all day long. And like my job, I do talk to some people, but I'm not like, it's not like customer service. I don't, I just talk to the same two people and we email back and forth. You know, like I don't. I don't know what's happening. My my only form of social life right now is like when we go to the park and there's some other cool parent who wants to talk. 
Like I know tomorrow we're going to get up early and we're going to go yard sailing and we'll have the girl with us for a little while. And then I think we'll, when, when she gets picked up, we're going to go to Costco. It's like my happy place. <laughs> I got to go to Costco too. I love Costco and they're opening one at Avon too. I heard. I, were you the one who told me that? Possibly. Yes. Probably. Cause we were talking about the hammock. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like it's rated for extra fat you can be okay and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> it's a double hammock you said you've never been in one because i, you haven't. Are I really haven't like because i like like we even were at my aunt's house the other day because my cousin's in town from virginia and they have a uh a swing in the backyard like a three-person like slidey swing mm-hmm. well not slide it's on like big big heavy like chain and like springs um and my and my my youngest son who is 17 He's taller than me. So he's like six foot two. And he's probably 275. He's a big kid, right? And then we've got Logan, who's almost three and weighs about four pounds. But I mean, you know, she's bigger than that, but she's yeah. tiny. And then you got me, and I go to sit. She's like, pause it down, pause it down. And I look at my uncle and I'm like, if we break this, well, I guess we'll we'll figure a way to pay you back. Because <laughs> I'm like, I never know how much that stuff is rated for, you know what I mean? And yeah, well, this hammock is a double hammock. That's why I knew it was rated for 400 pounds. And it's, I have to look at this stuff for my kids because I know there's going to be me and possibly three children laying or swinging or, you know, so I got to look at that because it adds up, you know? Yeah. I doubt you're, I don't don't know if you guys would hit 400 pounds, but. No, but I'm saying I had to look into it because you buy this $25 hammock from Costco. You're like, well, I should probably make sure this is a decent weight rating. Plus, I had just bought some sort of like pod things that my one daughter sat in and ripped it. And it was intended for like 100 pounds. She's not even 100 pounds. She's like 60 pounds when she's wet. So she ripped it. So, you know. Take it back. No, it was one. no. It was at like five below. I think it was. Oh uh, well, yes. that's all. That makes yes. sense because like because yes. five below, you go and they're like, "Oh, that's a cool T-shirt," and all they have is extra, extra, extra small. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, these were totally um, a reject from some other, you know, retail store somewhere along the line, and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've been talking for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Feels like 10 minutes. Does it? It yeah. actually does. Did you finish your burnt coffee? No, but I'm really scared for how long I'll be awake right now. <laughs> do you do you not like burnt coffee? I like all I'm you know, I'm an all coffee matters person. <laughs> yeah. I'd love coffee, cold brew. I mean, like we've got one of those uh, coffee. We've got one of those instant pod machines. Yeah, yeah. So it does the Nespresso pods and it does the Keurig pods. And then I have the little bag, how I make the cold brew, which I got a video that will come out next week on how I make that. But I filmed it. I just got to edit it. I've been lazy. Yeah. It's super short, but it was like a week video because I had to like, it was like a week long because I filmed the first part, put the stuff in the fridge got busy and forgot that it was in the fridge <laughs> and, <laughs> and I get back and I'm like, drink, I, I drank a cup yesterday, like a cup today. And like that caffeine hit me hard. <laughs> like I'm sitting there like my head, I'm like, like 
the opposite of a caffeine headache. It was like caffeine overload. I'm like, whoa. Do you do you do anything when you have that much caffeine, or was it so much that you had to like lay down? I took some. Well, yesterday I took some ibuprofen, and then today I I I did kind of take a nap finally, a little bit of a nap. <laughs> but because well, we had the girl and she was ready for a nap, so we put on. I think we were watching like the Jungle Book or something. It was like just out. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I, I I like clean. I get super. So I'm pretty sure I have ADD or ADHD. So when I have coffee. It makes like really strong coffee. It makes it worse. And I get like, <laughs> I get intense. Well, we'll have to do this again. I miss talking to you. Yeah. Maybe next time we can do it in person. That'd be, that'd be really neat. At least hang out, do something. I mean, I kind of feel that we always used to hang out so much and then life gets in the way. And it's been probably, I don't know how long since we've hung out. Like well, 10 years? well, I have an almost 10 year old, so 11 years. I don't know. I'm starting to feel old as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all the grays coming in. The camera doesn't really show it too much, but they're there. Oh, I can see it. Don't you worry. And we, then we I've got it. a grandkid, so. That's true. Your grandpa. I know. I had oh, a bow in my beard today. I saw that on Instagram, I think. Yeah. It's cute. You should keep it. Well, I mean, it hurts a little. <laughs> Why? How does it hurt? I don't know because it pulls. So yeah, it's not but... the most comfortable thing in the world. So, but I don't have hair up here. She goes, Pa, I don't have any hair. So she makes me put it in my beard. Well, because we were playing with bows and she likes, she doesn't have any hair. Like she's like got the still that, that wispy hair going on. Yeah. So you she can... doesn't have any, like, it's not long and it's not thick. You could do like the beast from Beauty and the Beast and put the bows at the end. <laughs> Just wear them at the bottom. You were talking about going to get a massage. So I haven't had a massage in a long time. Like I was thinking about this when you were talking about it. And then like one of the first, the first massage I ever got was over like this, like one of those, like, um, it was a place called Rosa's over off of West Washington street. So it was like in a house. Yeah. And it was totally, like, I think they got shut down like a year later mm. for all the stuff that you hear about. <laughs> Happy endings? Well, I'm guessing. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing. I just know this lady had her knees and elbows in my back, and it was amazing. Mm. It was so, one of the best massages I've ever had. And then I've been kind of like, uh, I've been kind of like obsessed with chiropractors. Yeah. I've never been to one, but there's a couple that I watch on YouTube and that's kind of like my nighttime. I'll watch, like, I'll put a chiropractor video on and I'm like, Oh, and they'll pop their neck. And I'm like, Oh, I need that so bad. Cause I can't pop anything. Yeah. And I, but uh, like everything I've ever known is like chiropractors are like quacks, right? Yeah. 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 For but sure. they go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to do what they do. They're like basically doctors or our doctors. If anybody listening to this and, and you're a chiropractor. I I'm going from total lack of or total ignorance here. But what I know is I've heard that you know you can't trust chiropractors. But it looks like it feels amazing. Yeah. So I first I, I believe in chiropractic. I think I don't know. I believe in a lot of weird shit though. I'll be very honest. Um, I used a chiropractor for my third um, baby when I was pregnant with her. And I feel like it helped a lot to keep all of my stuff aligned 
I mean, you, you, but the, the only thing about that is like, you could never disprove that. You can't prove it or disprove it. Like it's just, right. just how I felt, how birthing the baby went and everything. But my, so I have a new massage therapist and <laughs> I'm somewhat hesitate saying this because hopefully he doesn't hear this, but he's super cool. So I get his information. I like find him on Instagram and it's at a house. And I'm like, oh, so I, I literally had to text somebody and I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm about to go get a massage at this house. <laughs> but he's amazing and it's totally worth it. And he's super strong. And I already want to go back. So I can hook you up with, the, with his information. He's good. Yeah, because well, there's one of the one of the chiropractors that I watch. She does like the like the the real deep massage, too. Mm -hmm. so she'll get it before she does any cracking she'll get in the neck and just work and like it looks like it hurts like yeah. she's getting in there she's rolling your back and doing all kinds of stuff and then she'll pop but she's in orlando and i tease chandler like next time we go back to disney world i want to go and see her because she's not far from disney and i'm like well let's make it a real vacation and go get go get worked <laughs> up because it look i mean she gets in and like pulls everything like just it looks like it's bad, but I'm like, oh, I need that so bad. <laughs> oh, like I, I don't have like hardly any range of motion on my neck. Like I feel like my body is like 80 years old. Like, like I feel like I really should start doing yoga, but yeah. there's that whole like I'm going to show up or I'll, even doing it in my house. I'm going to fall over and like break my ankle. <laughs> oh, man. do Okay. So, yes, break shit. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I I've fallen on shelves and broken them. I've, I've broken um, like a collapsible laundry. You know, you put your laundry on it to dry, a drying rack. Um, I've, I've broke so much shit falling on it. You just gotta do it though. I mean, okay, so when learning a handstand, yeah, I say it took me two years. You learn how to fall before you learn how you can hold yourself up. Same with yoga. You just learn how to fall. Yeah, there was a because there was like a viral video going around some time ago. Um, DDP yoga. I don't know what that is. Diamond Dallas Page. He was like an old wrestler from like the WWF. Okay. And he came up with this program, and he had like there was like the little viral video was this guy who was like a military vet, and he was like walking with the arm crutches and could barely move, could barely walk, couldn't stand up on his own. And like they show like the time lapse of him doing the yoga, like falling over, falling over. Then he gets to where he's running. Yeah. And like, and then I mean, I saw this, and then like, you know, Diamond Dallas Page ended up on like Joe Rogan, and they were talking, and they showed him the video, and like Joe Rogan's like in tears. You know. Yeah. And I'm like, that kind of transformation is amazing, and I'm like, I could probably do that, but then like I get down on the ground just to lay on my back sometimes. Because sometimes I just want to try to stretch my back out and lay because, like, I've got a weird, like, curve in my back. And I can't lay, like, if I lay on the ground, my head is up and, like, it doesn't touch the ground very good. So I've got a weird shape. And I'm like, I don't know if, like, a chiropractor can help me with that or, like, massage therapy or yoga. Or I'm sure it can't hurt, right? But there's a lot. I mean, and, like, I try to lay on my back and stretch that out and, you know. And like even just that, like getting on the floor and doing that and then trying to get back up again is difficult. So you should keep doing it. Yes. I mean, that's the obvious thing. 
but it's still like it's still i mean there's a lot of like ego involved in that too right i mean you get down the ground i'm like i have trouble getting back well i'm not gonna do that again it doesn't make any sense but it's that it's like body dysmorphia at the same time it's like you can see yourself and it and and, and then you see yourself as you as like your brain's like well this is what you look like i'm like not really but you have to fight through it i guess it's the same maybe well and those are those moments of discomfort that i'm talking about that i push myself through like you're challenging your own belief in yourself like you're challenging the beliefs that you have in yourself if that's that ego right all right, right here's what my ego is doing to me well fuck you ego watch this and it's a trip but you know i i never thought i would ever be able to do a handstand i'm working on doing pull-ups right now oh <laughs> i've never been able to do a push-up i've never been able to do a pull-up in my life and even like back in like elementary school we'd have to do like the in gym class you would have to do like so many pull-ups to get a grade in class yeah i've never nope. never have i ever done one the other day I'm starting to get it because I can kind of jump now and get myself halfway there and then pull myself up. So the, what I've learned is if you can pull yourself up and lower yourself down, you kind of like build backwards. So if you can lower down with control, you'll eventually build the muscle to pull yourself up. So I'll let you know, I'll, I'll post, I'll post and let you know when that happens. But, but right there now. was a time when I was a kid, right? So when I was a little kid, I remember the apartment that I grew up in, there was like a little hallway that led to our bedrooms and our bathroom. There was like the little louver doors that were like the, the water heater and the furnace and stuff was. And there was like a closet door. And but there was enough space there where I could shimmy myself up the wall. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. Oh, what so could I could like with my hands and feet and spider-man myself up the wall. Yeah. And I think back, like I was a puny little kid, right? Probably, probably the only time in my life I've probably ever been underweight, if you will. I don't know if I was or not, but but I was able to do that. And like I think back to that, I'm like, I'll never be able to do that again. But maybe you can. Maybe why I would, can. Why would you never be able to do that again? I'm gonna go do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that's so <laughs> okay, so I do do this. And <laughs> the only thing that's really hard about it is that when you're a kid, the like um, the ratio of human to wall space is different than when you're. Oh an yeah, adult. yeah, like when you're an adult. Yeah, I don't have any place in this house yeah. where I where I can do it. <laughs> you do it in a. You don't have a hallway to do it in. Not like a traditional kind of hallway, like so. Like, the, so I'm in my office. And then there's like a little wall outside, like a, a there's like my door comes out this way, and then my bedroom door is across from it, but it's about ten feet. And then there's a huge loft out that way, and then there is like a hallway that leads to Hunter's room, but it's over the stairs. There's like a landing, so there's like a half wall, so there's no hallway there. Yeah, and that leads that hallway where the wall is only, you know, waist high. Because you then you can look down and see the stairs below that take you downstairs. Then it leads into the laundry room. But there, so we don't have any tradition. Like even downstairs, like when you entryway, when you come into the house, like you open the front door, 
you go up the stairs to the upstairs, and then there's like what would be the formal living room, which is basically Logan's room. And she's got her trampoline and her slide and her kitchen and her workbench <laughs> and buckets and baskets of toys and a basketball goal and a bookshelf. And yeah. we're getting like tomorrow sometime, we're getting a couch and love seat for there too. That's her room. And yeah. it's going to have like a pullout couch. So if her, like if mommy and daddy want to stay the night because they're too tired of visiting with us and they can stay, whatever, right? So yeah, we don't spoil her at all. No, it doesn't sound, it sounds like she's actually neglected. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was thinking about that, like, but, but then she'll go and dance. Like, so she likes to dance and her favorite song right now is pump up the jam. That's awesome. Cause I'll play it. She'll be like, play pump up jam, pump up jam. And then she'll dance and she does these dances and I, and every once in a while she'll start adding new moves to it. And she's been doing like this push up kind of dance move where she gets down and starts doing like a weird push up. But she doesn't know what she's doing, right? Yeah. She's breakdancing. Well, the only consistent move she has is when, like, in the song, she's like, put your booty or get your booty on the dance floor. Uh -huh. She stops and sits and puts her butt on the floor. <laughs> How cute. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Kids are awesome. She did one of those finger gun click things at me. She smiled. She's like, today. And I was like, but she didn't. It wasn't like that. But it was, she was like, it was the weird. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I about peed myself because <laughs> we were having because we sat down and just made her some breakfast and we said that she, she does the cutest stuff but kind of back to that whole like kid thing being on to climb up the walls but then she's like doing push-ups and stuff and i'm like she's like if she stands upright she's got like abs almost and then she's like but then if she when she still got like that baby belly too at the same time it's weird yeah kids are strong oh and she then, really is and then we sit down like and, this. Yeah, and then stop moving. It's actually one reason why putting my kids in public school was hard at first. Because homeschooling, they could like get up and run around and they were always moving. But they're at a school that they don't sit all day long. So it's good. I was thinking about like, I don't know. I think when we were like elementary school, you got up and you had like recess three times a day or whatever. And then you had gym class once or twice a week or whatever. And then it's not a thing. Maybe anymore. once a week. I don't know. But so, and we didn't really play a lot of sports. I never played, I always wanted to play sports, but my mom was always worried that if I played football, I'd get hurt. And I was never, I tried out for baseball one time and I didn't make the team. Yeah. I wasn't athletic. So I wasn't, I mean, I felt, I, it was disheartening, but at the same time, I was like, I was asking a lot of that coach, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. I was, I was never, I can't know. I hung out with skateboarders, which is probably shocking. And that, no. like, so like walking around with them and like biking with them is, but I was pretty active in that, but not at school. Nothing to have to do with school. Like now I sit down all the time. I mean, even now, like I'll go and I'll like, oh, can we sit down? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to start this standing up and then I realized it was, it was a bit less. I need to get one of those uh, like treadmills. And then, like, I can have, like, a moving treadmill over in the corner or something, and then I can just have, like, all the camera clamps, because there's nothing really difficult that I can move. Like, my camera's on this weird little, like, thing that's mounted to the desk, and my microphone's on a bigger thing, and the lights are up here. And so, I mean, there's nothing really that I probably couldn't mount to, a, like, a, to a treadmill. 
but then I just be like, have a, yeah, yeah. how was your childhood? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how people work while like walking. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I like people who run together and have conversation. I don't know how they, like, I don't, I've been running for years and I don't know how they do that. Like I, it's not my thing, but I have this cool, like, Look at that. Look, look, you see it going down? I have this cool uh, desk that you can stand up at. And then you could get like uh, BOSU balls. You could stand on those. Like there's different ways to move while you're, you know, I need to do something. But then I, then I spend a lot of time editing video. And that's like a sit down thing. I don't think I could do that trying to be on a treadmill. But so then I have to like have more stuff moved over like a mouse and keyboard. And I don't yeah. know. I don't think I could ever do a treadmill wall at my desk. No. I know when I was working at my old job, my last job I had, we had, they had like, if you had like a doctor's note, they would install like the moving desk for you to go up and down. And then they would have uh, certain desks. Like you could go and work. If you wanted the treadmill, you could take your laptop over and plug it in and work at the treadmill desk or whatever. That's cool. But nobody ever did it. I was like, it's like the dustiest part of the building. <laughs> I just don't think it, this just doesn't sound comfortable to me. I would well, I don't know how it. you type and try to move your thing and like. <sighs> right. Or even just like the bouncing movement of the walking. It just seems like it would be, it'd be one of those, like I'm not as productive because I'm focusing on walking here or how not slow. Falling over or... <laughs> how slow are you walking? I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm like I went out like one day, like I had like uh, like some like some build up a gas or whatever, and like maybe, and I felt like I ate something weird, and like Shannon was like, "You need to go for a walk and let that work itself out." I went around like so it was weird. So I went out and I did what she said, and I go out and I go walking around the neighborhood because it's like our sidewalk is like a big loop, and I walk and I pass this girl twice, and I'm like, "That's too weird. I'm going in." <laughs> <laughs> like people, I'm going back inside because you're gonna think I'm trying to get her. <laughs> Oh, that sucks that you had to think that. I don't like that. Well, I mean, and, and I know that she probably didn't think that, but then I'm like thinking she may think that. Like maybe I'm out there, like, and I'm like, well, he's gonna get me. You know what I mean? Like, right. I just mean that sucks to like think that like guys have to walk around. I guess you don't have to, but I'm sure you like much like women walk around wondering when they're in danger and like what. Like we, no matter what, when women go out, we're constantly assessing how much danger we're in and if anything's gonna happen. Like I hate that you guys are also going out with those things in the back of your mind too. I definitely that. keep it in the, like I and like one of the first times it ever happened. My mom was in a, uh, in a uh, rehab facility after having a stroke. And, and we were at, there was a giant complex over off of 38th street. Mm -hmm. And I was walking out of the building, but then like there was a woman walking, she'd kind of come from one hallway and I'd come from another hallway. And then I was walking behind her down, like the hallway out, and then out through the doors and then down this long pathway and then through another pathway. I kept being behind her. And I was like, man, I hope she doesn't think I'm following her. Like, but those thoughts are there. I mean, I guess it's good that I, that I feel like that. I mean, well not, but you know what I mean? Like that it's present, I guess. I don't know. Do you ever just go, hey, just so you know, I'm not following you. And this is just weird. Do you ever just do that? Just throw that probably wouldn't make it better. Really? That'd probably make it worse. <laughs> At least in my brain, she'd be like, you say that, and she starts running. I don't know. Yeah. But I think being hyper aware of your surroundings is very important. 
yeah, no, I, woman, hello, not very big, absolutely important. I remember working at Castleton Mall when there were the, um, there at times there were people hiding underneath cars, like cutting people's ankles. <laughs> yeah, well, that's been a thing at malls for a long time, which is weird. Oh, they were like active, like, like it wasn't just like a myth, like this shit was actually happening. <laughs> I think I heard about that, but it's been a long time. Well, it's been a long time since I worked in a mall. <laughs> it seemed like all of our friends worked at malls at one point in time. Help, help. I mean, like, hot topic. Hello. Where else can I get a job 12 years ago with all of these tattoos and things? Wherever you want. 12 years ago? <laughs> That's not true. I had a job with Angie's List. I was a front desk receptionist. And I was literally at the front desk. And so there was five of us, but only three of us were technically at the front desk. And the other two had to work in another room because there wasn't enough room for us. They moved me from the front to go sit back because they didn't want investors to see me right away. This is 12 years ago. Well, when I worked at like the job of the, I was at a job for like 12 years and I had tattoo. Well, not, I mean, none of my tattoos are really visible. Like you, I have like an arm tattoo, but I mean, at the time I didn't have a lot of tattoos working there, but over the course of time, I guess, tattoos, like people had tattooed arms and it became more of a thing, but that was like from 2007 to like 20, 2019. Yeah. But I mean, it's definitely become a thing because I mean, even when Shanda was working for her old hospital system, they weren't allowed to have visible tattoos. And then after I think she changed jobs, then that hospital system she left eased up and now they can. And then she couldn't have like, they wouldn't even like let her have anything but like black shoes, um, which was difficult to find shoes she liked that were all black. Yeah. I have the same problem, but that's because I'm a weirdo. But the same thing with like colored hair, like she couldn't have colored hair, anything that wasn't a natural hair color yeah. or like somebody naturally could have. And so, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of that and, and it is easing and relaxing a lot, which is good. Yeah, I feel like it's along that whole trend of maybe we should just stop being so concerned with what people look like. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. And because we're getting old and us old people are running things now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be 42 this month. Yeah. How's that feel? I'm hoping I'll know all things now. When I hit 42, I'll know all the things. Okay. Well, let me know. You, how you know, goes. like what, you know, all the secrets of the universe. Hmm. Let me know how that goes. It, I probably. <laughs> Do you, I just learned the other day. Sorry to keep this going forever. I just learned the other day that the universe will not expand and shrink. They now think it's going to expand and rip. That's not terrifying. <laughs> but where is the universe, Dustin? I don't know. We're in it. But the, where is the universe? This is the part that I can't ever get my brain around. So, like, what part of it's going to rip? I don't know. The inky abyss of sorrow. I don't know. I have no idea. Also, the Milky Way galaxy moves up and down through the universe. Like, we're constantly in this, like, wave. I don't know. And that <laughs> some of that is why 
they believe that the, oh, I wish I could remember with the belt, the part of that, so Pluto's not a planet, it's part of like this ice belt and it's just like the largest chunk of whatever is floating in this belt. And the up and down motion that the galaxy does is why they believe that the extinctions like keep happening because when we hit a certain level in our rotation, shit starts going haywire, but. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's like, and, and I believe in science and science fascinates me, but there's certain parts about the theoreticalness of science and like where we're looking into space and we're seeing all that stuff and we're talking about things that we'll never be able to experience or see with our own eyes. Mm -hmm. It's like, are they making it up? <laughs> Yeah, no, sometimes, yeah, so that's how it starts, though, isn't it? Like, the Earth used to be flat. Right. And, and so there's people we, now who still think that, which, when <laughs> I found out that that was a legitimate movement, I was like, but wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> For real? Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson actually said something about how, like, science is always true until it's not, basically. Right. Because eventually we, like, learn, we just, like, know better, do better kind of thing. But yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened with Pluto was the math was wrong. Like instrumentation, because he was just on Joe Rogan the other day and they were talking about how that's how we continue to find planets until we got to where we are now because they would triangulate with the uh, with the telescopes. I'm going to butcher this to, to death, but... <laughs> what, you're not an astrophysicist? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't even play one on TV, but you know, it was like how they triangulate and then they kind of start seeing things in the way they move. And like, you can see like the, the pull of the other planet. So they can start to mm -hmm. see that there's going to be another planet, the further out they go. You're nailing and, it. And then, so like when they found Pluto or they thought it was a planet and they thought it was going to be a planet, but then like, it's basically as technology gets better. That's the reason why Pluto was a planet. Then it wasn't a planet. Yeah, we're learning, right? Yeah, and we learned that it's part of Ky it's Kuiper Belt, I believe, is what it's part of, and it's just like this belt of ice and all sorts of other stuff floating around out there. Yeah. So I want all like the real cool scientific, like nerdy, like sci-fi stuff to be real. Like we've been watching that mm -hmm. show on Hulu called Debris. Ooh, I've not seen that one yet. Basic premise of the show is. Uh, like there's a spaceship that breaks apart and the debris from the spaceship falls to earth all over and they're having to go and find each piece and each piece kind of does something different. Hmm. So I'll kind of leave it at that. If you, if it's something you want to watch, I don't give any spoilers away, but, or people might be listening, be mad that I spoil something for them. The basic Spoiler. gist is it's spaceship broke apart. It kind of tells you that at the beginning of the show. So. Cool, but it's really it's really neat. But then, like, some of it's got that like because it's like it's on NBC, like it's an NBC show. But I watch it on Hulu. Yeah, but there's like that pointless drama involved with it too. Sometimes it annoys me. It's like just give me the science and give me the cool tech stuff, and I don't need the extra stuff. But yeah, there was a show on ABC that I really liked for the first season, and then it got terrible, and it had to do with like the world ending, and I forget. I mean, this was probably like twenty years ago. It wasn't exactly twenty years ago, but and I didn't like it because it had like they started doing the drama stuff. So like the first season was super cool, and then it's like to draw it out, they had to add in all that fluff and like all the weird like commercial cuts. Since I don't have commercials on it, but it'll like cut out and you're like. <sighs> You're going to wait. And I know it's first world problems. I know, but then it clicks back in. I'm like, 
okay, why did you cut it there? They cut it there to be a dick. <laughs> yes, that's true. Do you ever watch Traffic on Hulu? Mm -mm. Oh, it's so good. I try to avoid traffic wherever I can. Well, it's about, um, it's a journalist, Marie, I don't know how to say her last name, Vaughn something something, I believe. Um, she goes around and does it. So she originally is known for her work in like opioids, like 10 years ago. And so now she's going around like the one that I watched most recently, they were showing how they get cocaine, like how cocaine is grown, how it's cut, what they put in it. And then they like bring it across the border. And she's a journalist, like going actually with the crews who do this and how they get it across the border. Oh, so it's like a documentary style. Yes, show. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I think I've heard Joe Rogan talk about it. It's good. It's like my it's own really real contact good. with the outside world is listening to podcasts when I run to the grocery store. Yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> I, it's my form of entertainment, though, because that drama shit that you were talking about on ABC, I don't, I don't like it. Like, there are certain shows that I will watch for their drama type stuff, but it, I don't know. I don't typically flock to that stuff. I, I watch documentaries and. Yeah. I like that. I like. I, I watch a lot of YouTube. Hmm. I get a mm -hmm. lot. Of, I, I watch stuff like on like, I'm a Tesla investor, so I watch stuff on that. I mm. have crypto investments, so I watch stuff on that. And then I watch like some keto stuff because I mean, obviously. And then, <laughs> and then there's other things like guitar stuff because I've always loved guitars. I play guitars for a long time, and music in general. But there's not a lot of cool. There's not that much cool music stuff on YouTube because of the whole like copyright stuff and everything gets taken down. But yeah, what are you going to do? Well, we hit two hours. Yes, we did. Do you want to tell people how they can find you? Do you want people looking at your Instagram that you don't know? I mean, it's not set to private. private. Yeah. So sure. All the things Abby. And I'll put it on the screen up here for you too. So people can read mm -hmm. it and find it. And I'll put it in the description down below. Okay. Sounds good. I really appreciate you being here. It was really awesome catching up with you and talking to you about all the stuff that I didn't know. I knew, like I said in the beginning, I knew you had some journeys going on. I knew you had some complications. I think like all of us, but I didn't know to the extent. And it's really cool that you came on here and you shared that with me and everybody else. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it again in person though. Like I'm not, right. I'm not doing this again until I can sit near you. I appreciate it. We'll do it. Okay. Later. Well, thanks so much.